Welcome to Convo Lounge Expression Exposure Experience. Welcome to the Convo Lounge podcast, where we have conversations, a series of curated conversations um, around finding solutions towards unemployment. And we do believe that uh, we can achieve this by connecting brands with talent communities to collectively find solutions towards unemployment. So we have a conversation today with the founder of Spectrum Analytics, Deboho Mahale Emang, who's going to have, a, I think, serve as a case study around uh, one of the ways in which he's personally contributing to solving unemployment. We'll also talk about, you know, some of the internship programs that they run as an organization, some of his observations uh, with the talent that's coming from our higher academic institutions. Generally, we'll have a broader conversation around our vision as a country and also this idea of achieving a knowledge-based economy. Uh, welcome to Congo Lounge. Thank you, Yandile. Thanks for having me on the podcast. And yeah, looking forward to having a great conversation with you. Cool. It's not the first time we have a chat. Um, it's always amazing to, to, to engage with you. So I know that this is going to be a pretty amazing uh, conversation. I think just like maybe let everybody know who's listening, what Spectrum Analytics does um, and how you're adding value to, to, to the economy. All right. Uh, what, a, what a first question with the spotlight on me. Uh, Spectrum Analytics, I'll just be short. Uh, it's a company that is on a mission to really accelerate Africa's transformation through creating value from data. So we realize that um, technologies, digital technologies are really disrupting all industries. And the biggest mineral that is being produced in the digital economy itself is data. So we have identified why organizations struggle with creating value from data. And we provide products and services that enable organizations to transform this mineral into value-adding products and services to innovate, to satisfy their customers and to identify new areas of value creation. And we focus on three things, uh, infrastructure, where the data is stored, secured, and also the management of this mineral that is data as well. And on top of that, looking at analytics and AI as value-adding technologies on top of the data for anyone to create value across any sector. Yeah, okay. Um, I was just uh, reading, you know, just doing some quick study on the budget speeches in the country all the way from 2020. And I remember Dr. Matika at the time was the Minister of Finance. And he said something quite interesting uh, that we need to transition to become a high income economy. We need to transition from a mineral based model economy to a knowledge based uh, economy. And I often wonder, do we, what does it mean? What does a knowledge based economy mean? And, you know, what are your thoughts around um, our, our journey towards actually becoming a knowledge based economy? Uh, I'll start off with something that would sound a bit controversial. Uh, there was never a time in at any point when the economy was not knowledge-based. Back when we relied on agriculture, we had to, we needed knowledge to farm. Mm -hmm. So this knowledge was still driving the economy back then. Uh, if you will even look at the mineral, what the phase in our development where we think we were in a mineral economy, 
those who had the knowledge to transform the minerals into products and services uh, were able to negotiate better deals for themselves. So we may have mined them from the mineral point of view, but somebody needed to have the knowledge on how to mine them and how to transform them into that. So I think for me, we are now looking to participate in the broader kind of sense of turning any mineral uh, into uh, products and services. So we need that knowledge. Nowadays, the tools have changed though. Uh, The tools are digital. So we need, uh, mostly need knowledge from that perspective that would be able to allow us to innovate and create value from the forever evolving minerals. Tomorrow it may be something else, another mineral, but all in all, the knowledge economy is all about uh, enabling people to be able to use their human capacity yeah. in any space, in music, in, in, in film, pick any area, if people are able to leverage their own human capacity, turn them into economic economic value-adding products and services, then we are in a knowledge economy already. So I think for us, it's maybe a shift of mindset indeed, because if we understand it like that, then anytime we meet any new technology or the new developments, we would prioritize knowledge that allows us to start creating value from whatever tool is at our disposal. That's actually a very interesting point. So you're basically saying we shouldn't think of ourselves as starting from zero, but we've long been doing it, but how do we scale it? Yes. Okay, cool, cool. So, I mean, speaking on that, then, you know, what what do you think we need to do to scale um, our participation in a knowledge-based economy? Um, how can we ensure that we keep as much value as possible in Botswana? I think it's so it's to look mainly at our consumption. Which products and services are we consuming? And not perhaps be strict around where they're coming from for now, but which products and services are we consuming? We should see that whoever is creating those products and services are harvesting economic value from our consumption. So then we should then ask ourselves which of these uh, products and services that we are already consuming uh, do we have, uh, we can build capacity to do that for ourselves where we already perhaps have um, graduates, uh, engineers, uh, creatives who can uh, apply themselves for us to create value in those value chains. So I think it's, I'll look at it from that point of view because then it becomes something that, you know, we, we're already consuming certain things. How can we exploit our own <laughs> consumption to benefit ourselves instead of maybe exporting this value, the harvesting of this value outside? Do you want to give maybe a practical example? I mean, to somebody who's listening, I know offline when we were talking, you said something very interesting to me. You said uh, the same mindset that we had towards minerals and the idea of us extracting value from our diamonds more than just uh, raw material, but also the value addition process. That mindset, we're now shifting that mindset towards the data value chain, which is a core part of a knowledge-based economy. Indeed. Um, uh, let's let's pick any uh, the 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 financial sector for example okay so 
over the last couple of years, I mean, some of these, is, there are unintended consequences. It's not that people plan for us to be here. It's just that we got accustomed based on where we started. We got accustomed to a certain way of doing things. And then right now we have outgrown that need. So we then need to think about what we really now want to do. So if you think about, um, for example, uh, let's, let's consider the digital economy itself. Yeah. Like you're saying, it's data driven. So the most valuable resource in this economy would be data. Mm. So we take in this data, you can, it's registered by users, the systems we use. So we can think about it like the way we get the raw material itself. Then we export it to countries, uh, specifically South Africa. I think that's some of like the biggest beneficiaries there. Where it's stored, so where it's stored, it's creating value and opportunities for those who run the data centers where it's stored and processed. And then for to extract value from this, then you need high value kind of jobs, uh, your data scientists, your machine learning engineers, your data analysts. So once you have a mineral, you start building uh, value-adding kind of careers around, around it. it. So the same mindset where we took diamonds, exported them somewhere, they're tending to bling for us. We get the bling back at a higher value. Mm. We're almost doing a similar, carrying the same mindset forward with respect to the data economy as well. Mm. We're mostly exporting this data and then it's some do at, at value on top of it and they're able to innovate, create high value jobs. But another side of it is that we're also squandering this data locally even if it's not exported because the way we kind of make decisions is not evidence-based uh the way the engagements the conversations we are having i'm giving you my opinion mm. you're giving me your opinion the loudest person in the room wins but what's the single point of truth mm. so i think there are opportunities to really create high value jobs open new opportunities in the data value chain and it's unexploited I mean, look at the, if you're listening to the budget speech, for example, they mentioned the exploitation of value chains, mm -hmm. but we're looking in agriculture, we're looking in other sectors, but with the data sector, mm -hmm. it's transforming all the industries. Why not see that uh, in the digital economy, if we build the right foundations and build the skills to extract value from this data, we could not just change uh, this specific sector, but also enable all the other industries as well to thrive. Yeah. Okay, cool. Going to go for a quick break. And when we come back, we continue the conversations around, uh, I think now we're talking the digital economy, <laughs> knowledge economy, but also the jobs that are around that. Um, and of course, this is aligned to our vision as a country. Uh, now that he said we're already knowledge-based, I don't even know what to say now. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't yeah. flip my mind. Yeah, yeah. Now I don't know what to say. No, but we we, we are still not extracting value from our from knowledge. It. Okay. So that okay. enablement is still required. Oh, we want to scale. Yes. Okay, okay, cool. <laughs> Conva Lounge. Expression, exposure, experience. Welcome back to the second uh, segment of the Convalange podcast, where we're talking all things a knowledge-based economy, 
uh, but also how does that translate to jobs um, in the country and where are the opportunities for youth uh, within the, you said the data value chain. I'm learning something today. So yeah, we continue the conversation. Remember, you can contribute uh, through our WhatsApp line. That's 7651992, but also on all our social media platforms where we are Convalange Africa on Facebook. And you should be able to see links to all our other podcast um, platforms that you might want to reach us on. So, I mean, I love that. So tell me about the concept of the data centers. Does that mean... Um, the moment we don't host our own data centers in the country, we automatically export the other value add services. Indeed. Yeah. So it's for us to innovate, to build applications, to run workloads around your analytics and AI and all that. You need infrastructure, you need computing infrastructure, you need networking, you need storage. It needs to be stored. And all those functions are data center functions. And wherever that we take the data for those specific reasons, we should see the exportation of opportunities. Mm -hmm. And whenever the data sits, if people are creating economic value from that, we should also see that we are creating job opportunities. And it's not just any job opportunities, high value job opportunities that are in needed globally so we are allowing others the opportunity to build the capacity to even outcompete us yeah. if you can think about it in that way so um, am i picking that for instance do you think from a legal point of view um from a legislation point of view possibly how to uh i don't want to say force but for job high value jobs to stay in the country we should have some form of legislation that talks to our data that requires multinational organizations to host the data in the country? Yes, especially for privacy reasons. Uh, not all data should be taken to the cloud. I think there is a concept called data sovereignty around the Data Protection Act. There is data that is too sensitive to host outside the country. Yeah. Hence, its storage and processing needs to be done locally. If we just enforce that, we would uh, repatriate like a lot of jobs back home. Uh, the same way we did with the the diamonds. I remember the industry was based in, in London a few years back. Yeah. And DTCB then had to re bring back those jobs and opportunities here home. The same we can do it in the data value chain itself so that we store this mineral, the data in local data centers, which means that our data centers locally, they need to step up to guarantee that they are secure, to guarantee that they would always be available, to give us all those benefits that we go to AWS for, Google Cloud Platform for, Microsoft Azure for. So these guys are offering us the same services, but remotely. They, they don't pay taxes locally. Yeah. There is a lot that, you know, needs to be unpacked in terms of exported opportunities. And it's a bit unfair because uh, these multinationals, uh, for as long as the regulation does not press them to mm. do that, why should they? They're already benefiting. Who's regulating in this case? Is it Bokra? And uh, it would have to be a combined exercise. MBFIRA, yeah. BOKRA, and BOB? Uh, yes. Uh, for, 
for different industries, okay. the, the different regulators would certainly need to be involved. Okay. But from the technology side of things, I think there's a commissioner now, the Data Protection Act of 2018. I think there's a commissioner. Finally, this year it would be enacted. I think the deadline was is October. But then in terms of the other technologies, BOCRA would have to play that role. Yeah. So regulation is important, but it has to be enabling regulation and not a regulation that kind of also hinders uh, opportunities. And perhaps this is how things should always go. Things need to move and then we regulate after fact. So mm. the cloud has shown us what is possible, but now we need to respond now to benefit uh, local growth of industries along the same value chain. We're talking creating high value jobs in Botswana, um, particularly around uh, the data uh, value chain. Do you think all hope is lost? I mean, I remember... I mean, far, far from it. <laughs> yeah, I remember a few... Was it like a few... Um, is it one or two years ago? I know Botswana Telecommunications Limited has also been preaching around hosting... Uh, data centers in Botswana. So I don't know, it'll be interesting to hear from you as an industry player. Is all hope lost? Far from it. Yeah. I think we we need to recognize that we, we always have to start somewhere. Uh, we've laid down, I believe, the, the right foundation. Uh, if you think about Botswana right now, the work that has been done to connect villages through fiber, that's, that's laying down the infrastructure side of what, what we can build on. But the government has also done quite well over the years in educating engineers outside the country who can, can in, we should look at enabling because they went to the best universities uh, across the world, some mm. in Australia, some in your US. I went to UK, for example. So how do we enable those whom the government has spent a lot on the education in these areas that high value areas, uh, specifically STEM areas, as we like to call them? How do we enable them to be value creators? I think we have the right ingredients, but what I believe is needed is for us now to take a step back and build from our strengths and not look at what we have, uh, think around this being an ecosystem initiative instead of something that is driven just by government. How are the innovators turning up to influence uh, the programming that needs to be in place? Yeah. Uh, how are we, the innovators, coming up to uh, assist our regulators to enable us with legislation that, you know, uh, can allow us to create value ourselves so that it's not regulation for the sake of stopping people from doing things, but it's enabling legislation as well. Not all is lost. I think one of the key lessons from COVID-19, when people couldn't now go to their workplaces under lockdown, companies creatively thought about how to be uh, sustainable, the business continuity then rested on being able to, you know, like to automate some of like the value creating processes. Mm, mm. So since COVID, uh, everyone can see what it means to digitize. Uh, even post COVID, uh, the government is focused on, I don't know what they call it nowadays, but digitalization agenda, something mm. like that. But it's all 
to really build uh, digital products and services that could allow us to work from anywhere, that could allow us to collaborate across distance. So we have the right foundations. What we need is a shared plan as an ecosystem. What's our vision as an ecosystem? Uh, what can everyone bring to the table? How do we pull our resources, our talent, so that we are able to get the best out of our collective uh, intelligence, Intense. one could yeah. say, yeah. Speaking of shared vision, um, you know, in a previous podcast, we spoke about the challenge of unemployment and that there's a mismatch between what industry wants or needs and what um, academic institutions are actually uh, producing. And I also shared that you know, there's a study by the UNDP around the National Internship Program here in Botswana. And it was also showing that um, actually the, also, the other issue is that the industry itself is not growing at a rate at which the demand can meet the supply that is coming from higher academic institutions. Now, you're also sitting, obviously, on the seat as somebody who's also an employer, um, as Spectrum Analytics. I know you've got quite some experience with running uh, mental uh, internship programs in an attempt to absorb talent into into the labor market. Maybe you can share your experiences with us and, you know, your understanding of, you know, this challenge of unemployment that we have and how you're contributing to solutions to it. All right. Um, on the on the skills demand side of things, I'll use the the data example. So yeah. you have the mineral you need people with skills to transform it into economic value-adding products and services to innovate on top of it, basically. So since the foundation of like Spectrum Analytics, one of the first challenges that I had was finding people. The ideas were already there. We were seeing the opportunities, but the talent to build what we wanted wasn't there. Mm. And mm. I think for me, that kind of... Uh, Coming from an ecosystem point of view, seeing that, you know, it's it's not just that we don't have students who are able to pick these skills. It's also a question of exposure. It's not a question of whether they are intelligent, our local students are intelligent or not. It's it's more than that. They don't get exposure, they don't learn through projects. Also, the the our research industry which is mostly academia it's it's biased in that it's a bit divorced from like uh, the everyday challenges that me and you face so you found that students were almost like at the institutions in a bubble and this bubble wasn't considering the needs of like industries and all that and I think for me that led uh, to the work that I've been doing with uh, developer communities where we would train students on application development, uh, on data analytics, machine learning, and AI, and using the latest tools that they were not being exposed to in the in, cl in the classroom, and also linking them with like global mentors and opportunities for them to get certified through Google programs, Microsoft programs, AWS programs, and the likes. So. That led then to us realizing that we wouldn't get where we want to go if we were not also building the capacity that we need at a talent level, talent and skills level. So that 
forced us to start creating internal uh, internship programs. First one, we did it with UB students, had about five students. We then retained one. And that allowed us to pick the, to share the insights that I just shared. The students, given exposure, they're able to pick on the skills. Mm -hmm. But then the missing piece for me was for them to learn through uh, practical projects and not just classroom kind of scenarios, which is where we need industry to participate to bring projects that students can do to uh, this platform. I'm saying platform even before I share that. Currently, we're building a platform that, you know, we can allow students to kind of uh, learn from certifications offered like by leading companies around the world and then eventually link them to industry players who are participating as part of like a mentorship program that is beyond just us as a company. Mm -hmm. Right now, we have 13 interns in Spectrum Analytics, and it's surprising. It's shocking to believe we took the largest number of interns in the country mm. at just 13. But the number of like applications that we received just for this, more than 60. And then we are just able to take 13, even some now still reaching out. So I think there is a need for us as an ecosystem to think about where each one of us can participate in building the talent that we need going forward. Mm. And each one of us really can play a meaningful role. So perhaps we need to have uh, conversations as enablers, as startups, how do we bring those students in? As corporates, how do we bring those projects to startups that students can then learn from? As government, how do we also think about what education should be nowadays? Because that's also something that we need to think about. And really, all of us as the ecosystem have a role to play. And a sustainable solution would have to come from that point of view. Otherwise, it would be this reactive kind of interventions that have short-term thinking, but have negative longer-term kind of impact. Mm. I've got two questions for you. One is the one out of five. So the one that you've re retained in your first cycle cohort of intense, what do you think uh, stood out for you as an employer to retain that one? Um, and then the second question, uh, before we close off uh, the podcast, is around the issue of what's actually causing uh, unemployment or unemployed, unemployed graduates. I know we usually say our higher academic institutions don't produce quality, but there's an interesting case study of where we have talent that goes to study in the diaspora. It comes back into the country. They also face unemployment in their own right from some of the best institutions in the world. So yeah, interesting to hear your thoughts on that. All right. Um, the, with the... With people who go to train outside the country, I think that's that should get us to question the thinking that local institutions are not producing quality talent. Mm. There's a level of truth to that, but it's not the sole reason why we are where we are. Mm. What is not allowing us as an ecosystem to extract, to get value from those that, you know, have been expensively trained outside the country? I think if we looked at that, we'll realize it's a systemic issue. 
there's a structure that is making this a persistent problem for our ecosystem. Mm. And it's a question of market access. Mm-hmm. Our corporates creating opportunities for those who are looking to build modern products and services for them to get the students involved through projects. It's a, it's a question of also training uh, mindset. Do we have the right mindset to understand that innovation and entrepreneurship is about experimentation? I think if you look at people I went to school with, I think I'm the only person that I know that chose to leave my comfortable corporate job mm. to try this out. Mm. And, uh, you know, are we incentivizing people within corporates enough for them to see that even within a job, you can innovate. Mm. You can have spin-offs from people within companies looking to build solutions to their internal problems. And it's really been a case of not just skills, but also everyone kind of uh, being an entrepreneur, it's a journey. Yeah, uh, there are different parts of like the journey at different stages of the journey. You need different interventions, but unfortunately, from an ecosystem point of view, uh, we kind of almost all the corporates, our government institutions, spent a longer time looking at just ideation, uh, moving from concept to idea now. Mm. And you know, if we could pool our resources, we could build interventions at lighter stages of uh, entrepreneurs' journey so that, you know, we not just focus on one area and then everyone kind of thinks ah, this is impossible to do because beyond ideation, then there are no interventions there. So there is a lot that we can do around uh, skills development, a lot that we can do around regulation, a lot that we can do around co-creating an ecosystem that can work for all of us. But for your first question, we are unable to retain all the students. <laughs> <laughs> we are unable to retain all of them. If I had the means, I You'd would. Retain. So it's not an issue of quality? It's or... not an issue okay. of quality. There are different stages that those who catch up faster, but it doesn't mean that those maybe who need more effort cannot pick Given up a those chance. skills. Mm-hmm. So I think with... Projects from industry, we could always be running a lot of those. And why did we retain that particular guy from the first cohort? Easy. I think our students, they also kind of need us as who who have walked like this journey a bit further down the line to come back and mentor them and show them a path that they can follow that everyone can follow from that starting position and validate an approach that can work for everyone. Mm -hmm. We have different strengths. And for that guy, what I loved about him was, yeah, he came with a mindset that was open to learning. Mm -hmm. He, He didn't think he knew, but he was more like, all right. He was always asking questions. What can I do to do A, B, C, D? For, I'll give you an example with the, we are now on the third cohort. On the second cohort, we also retained one guy. Mm. How he got himself uh, to be the guy who was retained this time around, I gave him a a customer's challenge. I didn't tell him how to solve it. Mm. 
And he sat down and thought about asking questions to understand the client. So sometimes it's a matter of like mindset more than initiative. anything. Yeah. If someone is doing an internship because it's required at the school, the level of engagement is not the same as someone who's doing this because they see that it's a learning opportunity. So it's it's mainly around that. And this time around with like 13 of them now, I, I think there's a challenge. Uh, from the onset, we, we told them, show us you can learn. Mm. And because we are always going to need to learn, even as a company, uh, I've always emphasize the need to create spectrum analytics to be a learning organization mm. so that we don't get stuck in what we know, but we are continuously evolving. just evolving. Yeah. And uh, the students, uh, it's going to be tough. I think <laughs> this time around, I'm, I'm seeing that, you know, we're getting there. Our younger brothers and sisters are now starting to believe. These, I don't know where it's coming from, but mm. they believe that they can be more than just students who wait for to us graduate. to mm. give them answers and then wait for a job. So there must be some dynamic that I don't That's understand changed. yet, but it's it's driving this positive evolution. Cool. Thank you so much for joining us on the Convo Launch podcast. <laughs> that was that has been short. <laughs> but thanks for having me. Uh, it's, it's always a pleasure having conversations with you. And maybe to, to, to end it on my side, uh, you guys are doing well. Uh, we may not be having conversations all the time, but each time someone who's pushing the frontier in, in our ecosystem progresses, yeah. Yeah. we all kind of progress. progress. So yeah. keep up the good work as well, guys. <laughs> uh, you're making us proud. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And that was it on the Comba Lounge podcast. Remember to reach us on all our social media platforms. Uh, I think on Facebook, that's Comba Lounge Africa. And on our WhatsApp, it's uh, 7651-9992. Tell us what you think about the episode. You know, any thoughts, any reflections, any ideas that you want to add to the conversation. We're looking forward to you uh, contributing to the conversation. Comba Lounge. Expression, exposure, experience.